How are the young Lakers keeping it together? Is Kyrie a different player in Boston? How can Andrew Wiggins improve? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast slash live show uh, with, as always, joined by Dave Dufour at Dave Dufour NBA, who's an hour later these days in Arizona, a very strange uh, time zone warp, but uh, I'm glad you could be here, Dave, sneezing and all. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I guess we're pushing 11 o'clock at night. Arizona doesn't have daylight savings time, so when everyone else's time change, uh, we get all thrown off. You and I are... Half the year we're on the same time zone, and then during the winter, we've got that hour difference. And so, it's a you know that hour makes a huge difference when you're waking up really early with a puppy. But you gained an hour anyway on Sunday, so you must be like in you must be like on Mars. No, I didn't gain I didn't gain anything. My time didn't change. I don't touch the clock. It's great. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the whole point is that you didn't gain the hour. Right. Okay. Well, all right. Well, yeah. anyhow. Here we are together at the same time, even though it's not the same time anymore. And we have things to talk about. And we have people who are going to we're going to ask questions or answer questions on Periscope if you're out there. We'll try and maybe hit over uh, to Twitter as well if you're there. Uh, but uh, join us. Let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about some NBA tonight. Uh, we had an ESPN game early, a uh, Celtics Lakers rivalry game. Uh, although it's not much of a rivalry, what did you think? What did you take away from that game uh, right off the bat? Um, I mean, I thought the Celtics looked good. I mean, 10-game winning streak. They've continued to to look better in each game, I think. Um, they had a big lead, and they almost blew it. Uh, the Lakers came back, and, and I thought that that was really good for the Lakers. I think it's important when you have a young team to, you know, to show some fight. Uh, Julius Randle really kind of sparked things for the Lakers in that comeback. He was the only guy who looked like he actually wanted to be in the game. Um but with that being said, I mean, the, the Celtics are a really good team and the Lakers are not. So, I mean, I wasn't really surprised by the outcome, uh, but it was enjoyable to watch the, all those Celtics young guys, man. They they never quit on a play. Their defense is impeccable and uh, they really share the basketball. It's, it's impressive. Well, by the way, it was also a joy to watch the Lakers not uh, fight and keep in there as well. Uh, I, you know, I, I keep feeling like Julius Randle simply doesn't fit with what they want to do. There's just something about the way he plays uh, although he did give it up early and did make a couple of passes, which was important because for me, when I watch him, a lot of times I feel like he's just intent on just scoring the ball, going to his left every time and not quite doing a lot of other things. So it looks like they've gotten to him a little bit where he's now trying to do that. Um, KCP, man, uh, I'm not a fan anymore. I was a big fan. I thought he was going to do well. I just don't I just don't. Something about the way he plays is not uh, is rubbing me wrong. Is it because he's a shooter that can't shoot? That's you know what's weird. I didn't text that to you, did I? No. Because I texted it to somebody else then earlier. I'm like, yeah, he he's a sh- he's not a shooter, but he thinks he is, and uh, it's frustrating, man. And especially because off his hand, it just doesn't. It's just not a good shooter's look. I don't know. Why, you know what I mean? I, can you explain more he, about what that is? It's weird. I, I don't know why he's not a good shooter. I mean, it, the mechanics don't look funky or anything. He just cannot shoot. Uh, he had a, a wide open corner three. And he shot an air ball. I, I like it's one of the worst misses I've ever seen in the NBA. It was just, it was horrific. Just completely wide open practice sort of corner three and just got nothing. And uh, I mean, it was just you could see the entire Laker team just get deflated by him missing everything. It's one thing to miss, 
That was a horrible miss. Um, yeah, it's not it's not great. Seventeen no. million dollars doesn't buy as much as it used to, I guess. Right, and and you know, and here's the thing about the Lakers because they were uh, there were a lot of moments where uh, like Baines was just manhandling them. They 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 kept getting these. They're playing small ball against bigger guys. And they were just taking them down low, sealing them and holding them down low. There's nothing like Ingram would get stuck behind Baines and like just forget about it. Nothing you can do. Uh, Clarkson got stuck down low against Morris on switches. So that's a real problem if they're going to try and do that kind of small ball switchy stuff. Because at least against the Celtics, uh, a veteran team, they went and just hammered them down there. And if they could have avoided that, then like, you know, the game gets even closer. And who knows what happens by the end. Yeah, it it was I don't know it, it again wasn't the worst that we've seen the Lakers play this year. I still am gonna continue to question Walton's rotation stuff. I mean, Bogut and Corey Brewer were the first two guys off the bench. Yes, I mean, enough said, right? Like that that's just it's problematic. I don't think, uh, and and I don't want to sit here and talk about Lonzo because frankly I've talked about Lonzo enough tonight. Uh, <laughs> Uh, not here on Twitter. Yeah, okay. I'm just, I'm just, I'm burnt out on talking about Lonzo. Lonzo has okay. been terrible. That's it. He he will be fine. Most rookies are terrible in their first eleven games, right? It's okay. Okay. But right now he's not good. Well, okay. go to look, go into Luke Walton. He's not exactly putting these guys in a position to succeed, and that's a problem. Uh, part of it is, I don't think he's got a real coaching staff. He's got a bunch of guys that you know he's buddies with and i just don't think that's great like who's the x's and o's guys there right that is an interesting question i think it's also attention to detail i kind of feel like they just you know they're not quite the spacing is not quite right for them uh and then the the the, uh, timing of the action is also just not there now they're young and they're learning whatever but he's been there for a year now and a lot of these players you know have been around except for i guess kuzma and ball which are you know major parts of their machine but uh, there's no question that they need to get back to some sort of attention to detail and, and or he's got to figure out how to communicate that better so that they do it more. Um, and then they'll get better shots, I think. But even still, there's something going on there. And with Ball, I want to say, yes, he had some terrible like rookie plays, you know, like just, just terrible misses and, and off balance and turnovers. But he did have moments where you saw, you can see what is going on and why everyone was hyped about him. So you know, and even defensively, there are moments too where he's doing some things that are really encouraging. So, uh, yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I, I'm willing to give him a huge amount of rope here before uh, we, yeah. we get negative too too negative on him. Right. I just don't. I don't think that he is a starting level player today, and it, it it's not because he, I mean he he right now of all players in the NBA with at least 100 field goal attempts, he has the lowest effective field goal percentage. It's like yeah. 31 34 point one percent. He's he's like Anthony Bennett level offensive numbers right now. It's fine. I don't care. I think he's gonna be okay. Again, you and I talked ad nauseum all summer. The guy plays the right way. I think his his floor is backup player. So like that's already a pretty high start for a professional basketball player. Right. right? Okay. I'm not saying he's he. I don't think there's a bust complete bust potential. Right. Um. Yeah, I, I'm, but he's I'm not also, coming out of the gate like a lot of guys do. Yeah, I mean Jason Tatum has has looked really good. He looks like he belongs on the court. Yeah, and yeah. frankly, Lonzo doesn't. He looks a lot like Brandon Ingram did most of last year. Okay, that's kind of fair. Let's not let's not ignore the seven assists a game he's getting uh, and, and the seven rebounds or whatever. He's he's having a positive effect. Now, like remember Anthony Bennett. 
couldn't do anything. And at least there's there's moments here where Lonzo's making an impact. Uh, and so we'll see. But, um, you know, let's go on the other side of the ball because, uh, no pun intended, because I'm thinking about um, Kyrie Irving. Uh, have you noticed? So my thesis is that Kyrie Irving is a different player in Boston. And everyone's going to look at the numbers and they're exactly the same. He's not having any more assists or whatever. But I got to tell you, from with the eyeballs, the eyeballs, it's different. He looks like he wants to facilitate more. The role is different. But yet, the, what I'm getting to is that it's like every Cavs fan does not want to even entertain that idea because it looks makes LeBron potentially look bad because he was maybe holding Kyrie back. Is this a phenomenon you've noticed? Um, I don't. I'm with you on the eye test. It does. He does look like he's working harder. It looks like, especially on defense, he's working harder. The numbers are are very similar. Um, but yeah, I I don't know that he's playing better. Remember, he was really really good last year. I just think it's everyone around him moves more, and it it actually makes it look like more is happening. If that if that makes any sense, does that make any sense? Like within the he's scoring a lot more within the flow of an offense, and maybe that's what why the eye test is, is the way it is. Um, his defensive effort has been much improved, but on offense, I mean, the offense was already it was already he well, had the offense in Cleveland. Well, he had it, but here the role was different. So um, he played a real traditional shooting guard, basically. In my sure. in my eye, he, he never and there were stretches in Cleveland where. He wasn't passing. We've talked about it before. He was just going to that hole, and he was going to ignore any other open shots, to tr- uh, open passes to, to shoot it. And here, it's a little bit harder now to guard him on that because he definitely has more of an eye as he's scanning and looking to make the pass. And so now the defense has to be a little bit more on their toes. He's still getting his ISOs, so that looks very much the same as he did in, in Cleveland. But uh, there is a lot more movement, I feel like, anyway, that, as the system goes for, for uh, Brad Stevens. But... I just think that um, he is, is, is existing in, the, in this uh, offense differently. And I, I don't know. I have to imagine. Cause I, by the way, I checked the uh, uh, potential assists and passes per game because I'm like, it's got to be higher. And it's not. It's not higher than it was last year. That said, he's playing a, a little bit less per game, which gives him some more energy probably to play defense better, which is big. Um, but, uh, you know, I do think it's just, a, just, it's just it's less of a statistical thing and more of a feel thing for me, what I'm watching. And I just, but I do find it really interesting that all the people from Cleveland, a, would you be yelling at me saying I've never said anything positive about Kyrie until now, which is like absurd to the nth degree, and at that, like the the implication could very well be, even though I'm not saying it, that LeBron was holding him back, and if, if maybe there will be a video on that coming up soon that as that title, but never mind, never mind that I'm not saying that now, but I might yeah, say yeah. that in the video in a minute, so you know. Again, I, I think I think it's the we're being tricked a little bit by the eye test. Uh, his, his performance is, I mean, I'm looking right now. He's he's actually so far this season his per 36 numbers. Um, his points per game are down. His shots are down by I don't know 0.3. So uh, basically, same number of shots. He's not shooting it as well uh, from the field or three point uh, from three point land. He uh, is taking one le- a fewer free throw a game. He does have about one more steal a game. So, but other than that, his numbers are almost identical. So, right. I think that this is the eye test tricking us a little bit. And again, it's because things look a little bit more cohesive. Okay, it's not. It's not just, hey, 
I'm going to take a turn dribbling around and then passing someone. Now, LeBron, you do it. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that that's what it is. Okay. I think that you and I have a bias toward teams that play the way Boston do, where there's a lot of cutting and a lot of off-ball movement and things like that. Kyrie has been good, but he was good last year. So um, I, I think he's just they, – they've blended him into what they already do pretty well. Uh, yes, and, and, and it's been on him as well. To, he's made that transition very nicely. He's also, if, if you believe what he says in the press, has really in, enjoyed having Brad Stevens as a coach. And like, and, I believe that. that. And, so, and, and by the way, it, it is shade uh, <laughs> to Lou. Uh, you know, it's shade to LeBron. I mean, there's, that's what I'm reading into that, or I'm choosing to read into that as well. Um, because he didn't talk like that when he was in Cleveland. Uh, you know, and, and that's understandable for a guy like him who wanted to be a different role anyway. Uh, you know, he's going to feel that way. So uh, we'll have to find out how this plays out for Boston. Do we feel like, I mean, uh, they are, especially with Morris back, they look better already. Uh, they, they certainly are the primitive favorites to be number one in the East. And, and are, are they going to beat the Cavs in the playoffs? It's insane, man. They're so deep. And, and even without Hayward, they look, they look really good. They're very cohesive. Al Horford, criminally underrated. Uh, I know he wasn't in the game tonight, but right. I mean, he's just been so great defensively and offensively this year. Um, yeah, it feels like it, man. Uh, it's crazy that a team that added 11 new players during the offseason could come into, you know, the first couple weeks of the season and look this good. Now they may regress to, to about where we expected them in the low fifties and wins or whatever. Um, but it's, it's, it's amazing that they don't look like they miss Hayward at all. And you can only imagine how good this would be if Hayward was out there. Um, so, yeah, I think that right now, if you're looking, I mean, they've got the best record in the league. So it certainly feels like they're on the way to the one seed. I mean, it, it's crazy. Yeah. And because they're so deep, you might want to head over to some fantasy basketball and pick up some of their players, if I were you, because you might get some value every once in a while on some of those nights when you see, like, Horford, for instance, uh, sits and guess who? Aaron Baines. Aaron some Baines. Really good numbers. 21 so if, points and nine rebounds tonight. Yeah, and if only there was a place uh, that we could go to play draft uh, to play uh, fantasy basketball, like somewhere like DraftKings.com, you could have done made some serious money. And if you listen to our podcast and watch my videos and follow you on Twitter, you'll probably get even more uh, really interesting insights into guys that night who will give you the best value. Sure, right, Dave. Sure. Yes, <laughs> so, we're constantly talking about sleepers. Yes, although I've been so wrong about Rodney Hood, and I feel I feel terrible. I, you mean, yeah, me too. I, I don't know. At some point, it's I'm, weird, right? Yeah, we we really like all the signs were there. All the signs were there, but I got to own up to it. He he's not looked good. I also didn't expect Donovan Mitchell to start. So yeah, that's and, but weird. he's looked great, and I hope you're getting him on your fantasy teams. Well, from what I saw the other night, he looked he looked really good. Uh, when he was three of twenty one. Uh, no, well, I, wait, whatever game I was watching with him the other night, he was, he had a, a couple of plays that were just like, whoa, uh, both ends of the plays. court. And, um, so, you know, but just to finish my thought here on this whole yeah, thing yeah. so we can get that done is, uh, so DraftKings, if you go to DraftKings.com, there's a lot of ways to play. They have beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. All you got to do is pick eight players and stay under the $50,000 salary cap. And then you get the points, you know, for assists and blocks and rebounds and all sorts of stuff like that. And, you know, you can get a new team every day without any commitment, which is, I think, the greatest part about this. Because I, I always couldn't stand the legacy uh, fantasy, which was going all season long or years into the future. I could never handle it. So if you go to DraftKings.com now and use my code Coach Nick, you get a free game with uh, your first deposit. 
uh, and you can get into a game with you get to win your share of $10,000 in total prizes. That could be tomorrow night. So don't forget, if you go to DraftKings.com, use my code COACHNICK to play for free with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, the game inside the game. So you have to do a $5 minimum deposit, and then you're in like Flynn with a free game from me with Coach Nick and that code. So head over there, make it happen, Captain. And uh, Dave, I expect to see you in one of our games we'll be doing soon. Like We'll do a private uh, draft, and uh, we'll, we'll all see who can pick the, right, the best team. Sure. So, I'll, I'll, I will win. I will only pick players from the Celtics bench. Yes. Uh, you yeah, because they're cheap and they're all good. You might not win that one, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, but moving on, let's get some questions. Uh, do we have anybody from, um, from Periscope yet who has some good questions? In fact, we do, and I saw some. Do you have anyone right now? Um, I got someone that asked if, uh, if we thought Kyrie was an MVP candidate. Um, his numbers aren't quite there, but from a narrative standpoint, absolutely. Uh, yes, if they if they're number one and they you know obviously you can't vote for it after when the, when the playoffs start because that would have been a real interesting thing if like he leads them past the Cavs to the finals or whatever. But um, I think that his numbers are going to be you know what, what I'm sorry you listed him before and I'm now blanking on him. They were um, how many he was like is he, going? he was like twenty three six uh, two point three steals something like that. Yeah, it's tough. I think he'd have to get to like what twenty six and. Probably, right? Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, I think if if we're picking a MVP front runner right now, it's probably it's Steph or I mean, it's hard to say Giannis because the team just hasn't performed, even though he's been amazing. Um, you know, uh, poor. I mean, Porzingis, maybe. I don't know. It's really. tough. Yeah, it's, I mean, really, it's Steph and then maybe LeBron. <laughs> yeah, right. We got LeBron's oh, oh. doing really well. You got to throw him in there as well. So yeah, Harden, the, the narratives Harden's are going to have to take hold at some point. Probably what about thirty games in the season or so? We'll start to get a handle on that. Um, so we'll see. So yeah, as of now, I would agree with you. He's not quite there in that in that discussion right now. But it's still a really great feel good feel good story for the Celtics after the whole terrible injury and now that they're you know winning so much. So um, let's see here. What's next? I saw some other ones here. Do you have one? Uh, here's one. George34 Marks asks, do you think the Rondo will help the Pelicans when he comes back? No. <laughs> no. No. Be, be, is yeah. it because they're already just too far from help? Yeah, but also, I mean, it, I get Rondo was great in the, in the what, how, how was it, two games last year in the playoffs before he got hurt? Uh, but, yeah. But, no, but when he comes back, it essentially forces Drew Holiday to play out of position. And no, yeah, it's true. Listen, man, that team is going to live or die with Boogie and AD. And, uh, you know, they Boogie has been really, really good. As a matter of fact, Boogie might even be an MVP candidate. Okay. Um, yeah, it, you know, if they make the, if, you know, if they're her top five seed, which isn't going to happen, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, he it just, just frustrates me either way. I, and I don't, I don't know why, cause I like the skill level and he does well on offense. I think it's honestly, it's just a transition getting back on D and that's only like some of the time, and then it, where it gets exposed, and it's a problem. But for some reason, that rubs me the wrong way, and I don't really know why. Is it like he's complaining to the refs at some point? He's not going down. There's something about that that drives me a little nuts, and uh, and I'm probably too brutal on him more than I should be. Yeah, I mean, maybe I don't know, man. I think it. We get we both kind of get frustrated at the same thing when a guy is is actually really talented despite some flaws that would be easily corrected. Yeah, it's frustrating as hell. Like, I mean. Boogie Cousins has like Hall of Fame level talent, and 
a lot of the issues he has are about effort and attitude. Yes, exactly. And so two things that are easily fixed. Uh, well, I, obviously not that easy. You know, if Calipari couldn't do it. Oh. So at any rate, um, we have some other questions here. First of all, Worldwide Wob is out there. Uh, Rob Perez, my buddy, uh, who's uh, left me for the other coast. Um, so we expect to hear a question from him at some point. But Mark A. Gunnels, another connection we've made on Twitter, uh, is now over on uh, Periscope asking us, what's your takeaway on Andrew Wiggins thus far? I think Tibbs needs to, needs to do more action for him. Well, we got to see him tonight. What do you think? Um, I, I love Wiggins' offensive game. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a spin move that he busts out in traffic that is just, I mean, it's electric. And then he had that amazing finish tonight kind of around JaVale where he didn't use the glass. It was just incredible touch. So offensively, I like Wiggins a lot. Um, It's the defense that I've got huge problems with. And I just I I can't figure out what the issue is. It's it's sort of like, I mean, with Carl Anthony Towns, I I can tell you it's uh, he has lack of feel on defense. He is always going for the big play and that gets him out of position a lot. So those are the problems with Carl Anthony Towns. With Wiggins, you watch him and you feel like he should be playing good defense. There's nothing that is super glaring, but he falls asleep when he's off ball, especially weak side. And and you just can't do that in the NBA. And so there's that. And then, you know, sometimes I think he overplays on the ball and things like that. So if if Thibodeau can figure this out, Wiggins is going to be really good and worth that max. But if he never figures out the defense and he's just a 20 to 22 point a game scorer with no defense, is that going to is that going to be worth the max? I don't know. Right. And, and meanwhile, you know, the wool, the, the uh, Timberwolves are I, I think it's reflected by the loss. Yeah, they're seven and four right now. So mm-hmm. they're actually doing well uh, and they're winning some games. Well, that's uh, it, I'm, I'm putting that on Jimmy Butler, though. I didn't like Jimmy They're, Butler's defense tonight, by the way. Tonight it was not good. It was not good. But in the other games, it, it, he has been good. Yeah, and that's it's, they, it's weird to me because normally the, the, your defense doesn't, isn't hot and cold, right? Normally you're pretty consistent if you're you know if you're a defender, you know how to play defense. You're going to give us a lot, and uh, that was weird to me. I don't know if Jimmy Butler was sick or or what about it, but something was off with him. Uh, I, you know, I need to check the box score. Did he do well on offense tonight? Uh, Probably will, not. You know, should have had, was should have had up weird. the box score. So we we'll have to rusty. find that out. Um, any other questions you got from um, Periscope? Let me look. Why does Kerr, Why does Steve Kerr play all thirteen players? That's okay. one for you from from Jay Varela. Uh, well, we we've already answered that question. I think a couple times in the podcast, right? Basically, he's. I think he doesn't care if he's. If he's 12-8 and eight the first 20 games, as long as he can play 13 guys to figure out what he's got and give everyone a shot, uh, I think that's, you know, it's good coaching, right? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit of everything, right? It's like the pop stuff where you're getting your bench ready. It's also some uh, forced adversity. If, you, if you're having Kevon Looney out there in crunch time, um, yeah. You're going to run into some trouble. Although Kevon Looney every now and then does some amazing stuff, um, which you just don't realize that he has in his game. Uh, so yeah, it's sort of like uh, strength in numbers, uh, which someone just put in here. It's it's uh, playing all those guys keeps everyone ready and on their toes. But 
you know, you watch how Omri Caspi plays, Ugh. and you just realize that guy needs to be in the in the short rotation. He needs yeah. to be up there with Livingston and you know Agudala. He needs and, to be getting twenty yeah. something minutes a night. But, but uh, so does Bell, so right? I. I think Jordan Bell is – I mean, David West is the best center they have on the roster, and I think Jordan Bell is right behind him, breathing down his neck. Um, David West is a, is obviously a professional and has been doing it for a long time and is really smart, whereas Bell is just a freak athlete who is getting a lot of – like a lot of what he makes happen is, is heart and hustle, you know, which I hate because you can't quantify that, but at the same time you can see it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that – the, he needs to be getting more minutes instead of having these, you know, DNP CDs or I guess he was inactive even. Right. Um, so I'm looking at Jimmy Butler because we talked about him. He had 11 points tonight, 5 of 12 shooting for minus 16. Yeah. Uh, Teague was minus 20. Wiggins was minus 16 as well. So there you go. So, something was off. And you know what? It's, that something could very well be having to go against Clay Thompson and Andre Iguodala and the rest of the team. I mean, that, that'll do it to you. And while you're busy chasing Clay on the other side, too. So, uh, well, you know. I think it's because he was guarded so much by Steph Curry tonight. By the way, okay, let's talk about that because that came up. It was interesting. Um, uh, design, designers, uh, or some, however you say that, it was asking, do you think everyone noticed Steph plays great defense now? Uh, there's clearly a narrative trying to be driven by ESPN tonight. Did you get that? I picked up on that. And so they, they, they already had a pre-can interview with Steph. They set up Steve Kerr with the question at the, uh, at the timeout. And, but I, I have to tell you, I felt like Steph you know, brought it and was showing it. Maybe, and maybe he knew it as well. But it, it, didn't it seem a little bit strange? Like, and, oh, and, and sorry, Jeff Van Gundy had a little monologue too going to commercial about it. Yeah, uh, it seems like ESPN's finally catching up to what you and I have been talking about for the better part of a year. Steph Curry is a really good defender. Yes. Listen, can I, I'm going to have to toot my own horn, though, because it's been more than a year. And, right, I think I did well, that. Well, for you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I only, I only want to do that because I've still taken so much shit for that that I, I, it's like it's not right. It's, it's wrong. Um, but, yes, he is a good defender. I, okay, if I said elite, let's I'll come clean. And by the way, I'm going to blame Rob, Worldwide Rob out there, because when I was looking for a title for my Steph Curry defense video, I was like, oh, I don't know what I said. I texted Rob, and I, he, go, he wrote it to me, and I still have the text probably, where it said, why Steph Curry is an elite defender. And I shrugged. I was like, okay, I'll use that. So I blame him for all that shit I took, although I think what he was doing was right, was we wanted to move the needle, so we kind of had to go really extreme to get more people to move in somewhat in our direction. And sure. um, so I thought, but either way, I thought it was interesting. I thought uh, Steph really was able to, to keep guys in front, and he was able to be active on the weak side like he always is anyway. And uh, you know maybe that's finally going to shift, and, uh, and you know it took, uh, it took an ESPN broadcast to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, he's stout. He is stout, right? Not like so James he, Harden, though. Not like James Harden. Stout in a different. I mean, he's he's just really strong. Yeah, uses his chest a lot. Really gets his chest up into guys. He's chesty. Yeah, he is. He does a, He just does a really good job of of using his strengths and also playing strong team defense. He plays the passing lanes when he has help. He's just he's a really high IQ defender who happens to have a bunch of really good defenders on his team. So you know he doesn't get enough credit. Right, like I mean, he's got one of the greatest defenders of all time, Draymond Green, right. on yeah. his team. So he's not going to get credit. 
And, and, by, and by the way, there were a couple of times when he was guarding, I think, uh, 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 who is it, not Wiggins, but he was guarding um, Butler. And, you know, and Draymond just came over and shadowed right next to him, basically like so, somewhat double-teaming him. And that's how smart Draymond is, but it was also how stagnant the, uh, the uh, Timberwolves' offense was, where, like, literally Draymond didn't have to guard anybody because they weren't moving very much, and it was easy for him. So um, I think it was an interesting, uh, you know, confluence of all those things. It's definitely worth – I want to take a really deep dive into Minnesota to figure out what is going wrong. Or, or I mean, you know, it's not wrong if they're 7-4, and four, but I like to see a little bit more of what's bothering me, maybe what's bothering you to figure it out in more concrete terms. Um, we have yeah. a good question out here, though, we could move to, which would help us pivot, which is, oh, my goodness, Hottie Moose asks, is, thun- are, is the Thunder overhyped by everyone? Um, or just let's talk about the Thunder. Um, it's been a weird fit so far to say the least. Uh, you and I have commented on a regular basis about Billy Donovan's questionable offensive coaching. And there's a certain point where you have to look back and you have to say, okay, so Billy Don, Billy Donovan has never done anything on an offense that I've been impressed with. Let's just start there. It's in college or whatever. In college, he was a good recruiter. He got good players and college is just a different game. In the NBA, I've never seen him do anything beyond a pick and roll or, or, you know, like bringing guys off a pin down. Just basic stuff. There's nothing, uh, no beautiful game aspect to what Billy Donovan coaches. And and you don't have to do that, right? It's not necessary. It's not a a requirement, but it would help. Right. Um, But Scotty Brooks had, I mean, we had the same criticisms about him. Now, at a certain point, you got to start looking at the personnel and say, okay, so what's the common denominator? And, I mean, it's Russ. Now, with that being said, I have watched Russ try to get people more involved this year. I've watched Russ's improvement on defense. He's engaged when he's off ball. When he's weak side, he is now actually in the play. He's not leaving his man early to get a rebound. He's actually, he's actually playing on okay. the defensive end. Okay? He is. Um, but the that- offense is atrocious. There's a lot yes. of standing around. Well, let's let's talk about that for a second because if you look at the rating right now, improbably or, or I don't know, probably when you add Paul George, uh, they're second in defensive rating. It's you know early, but they're second in defensive rating. But they are yeah 19th on offense, which has got to be all time low for them in the last six years probably. Because uh, even last year with the with a not a talented offensive roster, I think they were better. Uh, let's hey, if only we could press one button and look. Their offensive rating was, oh, excuse me, it was 16th last year. I totally missed that uh, by the end of last year. So we've already seen this issue. Uh, what's interesting, though, is, you know, Donovan's trying. He's getting all the action um, that they want, that the normal action that Paul George would be used to, a lot of pin downs on the right side, and then a lot of just cross screens. And it's almost like every time they run their offense, it's like Paul George is getting a cross screen to the low block from one block to the other block, basically. And I thought it's interesting to me because it's like it's very – it's almost too common. They're doing it too often now. Uh, and then Melo just seems to be kind of, you know, just existing, you know, and sort of being whatever he can do. And then it's clearly Russ has taken a hit on his scoring. He's made a, an effort not to score as much to get them going. So, you know, is this the thing they can get out of uh, by just, you know, playing together and getting more experience together? I mean, it's possible. But right now uh, it, it really looks like they're just doing open gym. Yeah. All three, all three of their big three are averaging 17 shots a game. They're all shooting like between 41 and 43 percent. It, it's pretty incredible. Um, they they just haven't been good. Wow, this is crazy. 
right, so I'm just looking at the stats. They are all averaging 20.1 points per game. Oh, wow. Exactly. So, that's like end of the days. That's weird. Um, so that really makes it feel like it's your turn, my turn, your turn, right? And that's a problem. We've seen this. We've seen this before. We see now how, how this works out. Now, what what's crazy is their their net rating as a team is actually positive. They should have a better record. They lost a couple of close games that they right. probably you know might have swung the other way. Which last year they had the opposite, right? They won a lot of close games, you know, compared to how many they lost. They they won an overwhelming majority of their close games, which is part of why Russ, you know, got MVP. But um, yeah, it, it's. Uh, it's problematic to say the least, and I think they they've got to have a real like come to Jesus conversation on the offense, and and maybe even consider trying to find a guy to come in there and coach the offense if Billy Donovan just can't do it. Uh, you and I have talked about the front office needing to empower Billy Donovan or any coach that's in there, and I, I mean I think that that's still the case. He's he's got to have some sort of say in what they do on the court. Otherwise, this is what you're going to run into. Yeah. It's going to be a David Blatt situation. I agree. I agree. And then as a result, it's going to be a problem because, you know, if this keeps going and they're 500 or whatever, I mean, Paul George is already in L.A. probably the way this is going, and that's a problem for them. Um, Mello is on a one. Is this his last year, too, on the contract? Well, he's got a, like a $27 million option for next year. There's Yikes. no way he is opting out. Right. So, you know, they're, they're going to be stuck with, you know, him and, and Russ. So, yeah, it's, they, they went for something. I don't think it's working out. I don't know if it's going to change. And, you know, at some point we might have to take a step back. And I, don't, I just don't want to be involved in the whole Russ hating thing right now tonight. But, you know, at some point you got to re- look around and realize, like, what is the common denominator, like you said? Uh, what is causing some of these issues continually over the years? Um, I know that maybe KD gets some of the blame as well and deserves some of the blame, but uh, I don't know. At some point, we're going to get the tell-all book, and they're going to talk about something, and it might end up being Russ and his the culture around that. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, another question? Anybody out there? Uh, let me look. Uh, I, I see one. Thoughts on the Spurs' success without Kawhi and expectations on how much better Kawhi has gotten. That's from Momo... Momo, me ready. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Pop came out the other day and said that uh, he's behind schedule, that the rehab has not gone well. And that's troubling to hear. That quad yeah. injury, I mean, you know, the tendinopathy, you don't want to hear that a guy's behind schedule with something like that. Because like, it could be something that keeps him out all year. Yeah. And, and, and that's like, no one wants that. I, I don't almost feel like anyone might. If it got to like halfway through, maybe the Spurs just shut him down. Like when I, I could see them just being that way and saying, you know what, we're not going to risk his future. Uh, I, I need to get um, Jeff Stotts on the show again to talk a little bit more about what that rehab is and what tendinopathy really is because it's still a bit still a mystery to me. It's an, so it's an overuse injury. Okay. Of that quad tendon. It, now that that is the same exact uh, tendon that Tony Parker tore. So That's interesting. Yeah, it is. Now, I mean, it's it's not like it's an uncommon injury for basketball players. I mean, it's it, it's a quad dominant sport. Um, but this is this is why they're going to be very very conservative about bringing him back. I mean, you use right. your quads a ton 
in basketball and especially at this level. And so, you know, I, I expect, I fully expect that they will just take their time. And I think I'm with you. There's a certain point where they may just say, we're going to shut it down for the year. Reggie Jackson had a similar, had a similar issue last year. And you remember, he just never looked right. Right. And he, it, it, it was like he needed the summer and doing nothing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping he's healthy. But with that being said, the Spurs look pretty damn good because the Spurs are going to spur. And, and we just, you know, you, death taxes and the Spurs winning 50-plus games is about the only thing that you can guarantee in this country, unless you're rich and then you don't pay taxes. But um, you, uh, if you watch the, what the Spurs are doing, Danny Green has been incredible. Like, okay. player of the, like uh, most improved player, incredible. He, he somehow he learned to dribble. I used to like hold my breath when he would dribble, especially into the lane. He looked he's looked really really good. And then uh, Aldridge has been fantastic. And then getting like we've talked about before, you know, running down the court hard, getting deep, sealing early, getting touches early, scoring easy baskets, and so yeah. Yeah, I, you know it's funny because in the on the earlier part of the season when I was watching some of the this first stuff, it, they didn't it didn't look good to me. And I was really concerned because it just it felt like they really needed Kawhi. It wasn't working that well. But um, certainly in the last several games, they've sort of started to figure some things out and, and making life difficult for other teams. So, you know, that's not surprising that, that Pop is probably getting a better handle on what you know, rotations they need to get out there and how they're going to attack and what sets they're going to run and, and really get that refined. So, yeah, even without Kawhi, they're going to compete and they're going to be right there in the, I don't know, it's still they could be top four or five, easy. Um, but, again, without Kawhi, they ain't going to go, they ain't going to out of the second round of the playoffs. No, and, and the first round may even be a struggle. Yeah, so that's a tough one. Well, listen, I think we got a, another great podcast in the books. We had a lot of great questions and a lot of great people out here uh, you know, contributing. So, I, you know, Dave, it's as always not surprising, but uh, uh, always a pleasant uh, experience to to get a good podcast in. Yeah, it's been too long. Like we went like nine days or something. Oh, yeah. Stop going out of town. All the sponsors are clamoring for, you know, more content. So we got to get back on it. You're going yeah. out of town. No, I said you stop going out of town. I know. I'm now stop going out of town. I was out of town Killing last me. night. Um, oh, and, and stay tuned for that. I, I, we filmed with the BAM, uh, official testers of the NBA uh, for strength and conditioning and, and all that stuff. And so we had a really cool uh, filming. We're going to continue to refine and, and start to get that to market. So stay tuned for that. Um, uh, my podcast, if you just are joining us, I launched a uh, politics and culture podcast. You guys have to listen to. It's called Can You Hear Me Shaking My Head? And right now, uh, you can find it on my timeline. I'll keep tweeting it out. Um, it's going to be on iTunes as soon as I get my second one uploaded and ready to go. But check it out. It's interesting stuff. Dave, what do you want to shout out? Uh, I mean, I guess just my podcast on the NBA with Dave Dufour. And, you know, follow me on Twitter at Dave Dufour NBA. Yes. And as always, make sure you like and subscribe to us on iTunes here, the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. And uh, I don't think there's anything else I can tell you besides... Don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Dave? Yes, I am. <laughs>